Hello, and welcome to another bonus episode of the Food for Thought podcast. I'm your host, Erin Hallstrom. With me on the podcast today are Wayne Perry, Senior Technical Director at Kaiser Compressors, and Neil Melchetter, Technical Director at Kaiser Compressors. On today's episode, we're talking all about compressed air. We kick things off talking about all of the things to consider when deciding where to install your compressor. Both Wayne and Neil talk about the importance of ventilation, in particular how it impacts compressor performance. We also talk about the necessary clearance needed around compressed air equipment, as well as hearing about less than ideal compressor installs and how you too can avoid the same blunders. We cap things off talking about why you may want to consider a standalone enclosure for your compressor. Enjoy the episode! Welcome to the special bonus episode of the Food for Thought podcast. Let's dig right in. When planning a new plant or expanding an existing system, what are some of the considerations for where your compressor is installed? Well, uh, I think one of the prime considerations ought to be ventilation. Uh, you've got to have cooling air coming in. You've got to have a way to get the that cooling air, once it's heated up, out of the compressor room or away from the compressor. Uh, typically, insufficient cooling is going to wind up leading to higher operating temperatures on the compressor. Uh, it's also going to lead to more failures, breakdowns of the compressor. Oil is going to give out uh, a little sooner than it normally would. Uh, if you've got really elevated temperatures in there, then it's also going to affect all of your air treatment equipment. Uh, you're going to wind up... Uh, uh, having a very difficult time getting the air dry again if you can't get it cooled back down. Uh, if you don't have a way to get cooling air in and out of the area where the compressors are, you might want to consider water cooling. Uh, that adds some cost and complexity to it. But it's a, a, a good way if you can't get good ventilation in the compressor room. If you're not 24-7, and even if your equipment can be offline long enough to get cold, uh, you've got to be a concern if you're water if you're water cool, because if you've got freezing temperatures in there, you need to make sure that all of that uh, water cooling circuit stays warm. Uh, Neil, do you got anything to add? Yeah, I think, man, that, that's the biggest issue I think that we ever see in a compressor room is ventilation, so bar none. Um, so thanks, Wayne, for hitting those points pretty hard. I think the, the other thing you have to think about is the space. What are we going to put in, in whatever space that we have allotted? Is that space big enough? Um, you know, so that, that's, for me, a, a primary consideration also, what's the flow, pressure, and air quality? Wayne mentioned, you know, well, if you have this dryer or that dryer, you have to consider how much ventilation that dryer might need. So it's, it's imperative to understand what uh, the customer or the end-use requirement is 
air quality, flow rate, and pressure to figure out how many compressors do I have to have in this space and is that space big enough? Also power distribution, uh, is there enough power to run the equipment that we need in this particular location? So those are, those are the other things that kind of bring it in and then also you know, your other portion uh, is your distribution piping. Uh, as well, so you know how far do you have to run to get to that main header and things like that. I'm curious, how does ventilation impact compressor performance? Well, Wayne made this question easy for me since we kind of hit that uh, in question one, but you know the vast majority of compressors that are out there are air cooled, and if you don't have enough cooling air, then the compressor can't main maintain its operating temperature. So you're, you're going to have the machine shutting down consistently. Um, not only is that going to uh, negatively affect your compressor performance, but it's also going to negatively affect your bottom line. Um, you probably increase scrap rates, increase downtime, uh, lost product, uh, productivity costs are, are going to be high. Um, you have those things, you're also going to have a shorter um, mean time before failure. So you know, your service costs are going to increase as well. Um, if you are running the compressors too hot, uh, you'll have a higher amp draw as well as power consumption. So you're, you're paying for that in, in multiple places. Um, you know, one thing that we see when we're out in the plant and you try to open the compressor room door and either it, you know, you can't pull it open or, uh, you know, it slams wide open. Um, it's usually a negative pressure in the room. It can't bring in enough cooling air. So that means that the inlet pressure in the room is, is lower than the ambient. Uh, so you might have a compressor at sea level, but it's acting like it's at elevation, maybe even in Denver. So that compressor then has to work harder. The compression ratio is, is much higher, um, resulting in higher power consumptions and the compressor that's working harder. So you know, those are the things that, that we see in regard to ventilation uh, impacting compressor performance. Yeah, some, something to, re to remember out there is that it's actually the number of molecules that you get out into your system that actually does the work. It's, it's the number of pounds of air, not pounds per square inch, but the actual weight or mass of the air that goes out. <clears throat> and if, as Neil says, you've got a negative pressure in the room, that means you're not getting as much as many molecules of air into the compressor as that compressor can handle, and that's going to reduce the amount of work that can be done out in the plant. How much clearance is needed around compressed air equipment? All the comp all the compressed air equipment is is different, really, uh, but certainly you need enough clearance around the compressor to be able to get in and do service on the compressor. <clears throat> you need enough clearance to be able to get equipment in. If you have to change out a heavy item like a motor or an air end or a cooler where you may need a, um, a lift or a hoist or a forklift, get in there. you need to have enough room to be able to get that equipment in and service the compressors or the dryers. Uh, you also need to have enough so that the cooling air discharge from one piece of equipment isn't blowing directly on another piece of equipment. 
and making the air cooling air to that equipment uh, any any hotter than it needs to be. Uh, the, remember, the rule of thumb is for every 20 degrees temperature rise, air can hold twice as much water vapor. So, so if you've got a compressor that should be discharging uh, at 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and you're feeding it with hotter air, feeding it with 100 degree air, uh, and now it's discharging at 120, that means you're going to have to double the size of the dryer to be able to get that air dry again because that air is carrying twice as much moisture. Uh, Neil, do you have anything to add on that? Yeah, I, I usually tell a dad joke here. You know, it's yeah, I can fit around a lot of different things, whether it be in a car or you know, in uh, in an unfinished space where all the you know the equipment is. But you know, I'm I'm not a very big guy and like Wayne said, I mean, if you have to take an air end out or a motor out or a cooler out, you know, just think about how many people are going to be required to, to maneuver in that little space, um, whether you need a hoist or not or, or a lift. Um, and then, you know, also end of life. Um, you know, compressors can last anywhere 10, 15, 20 years. We've even seen some 40 years. Uh, but when it's time for that machine to, to be replaced, how are you going to do it? Um, so yeah, clearance, I, I, I can't stress enough. You know, we're not, we're not asking for an IKEA location where you get space galore, but we're also asking for sufficient um, space that, that you can work and remove things. Also to uh, consider safety codes, uh, electrical codes as well. Um, those things are, are also very important. Um, and then, you know, where the, the equipment's placed, we talked about that in, in the first question, but, you know, is it is it next to something that's going to be too hot or that's going to give off uh, some kind of uh, additional chemicals that, that may affect the compressor operation or performance over time? Um, you know, we've we've had compressors in various locations, which I think we'll, maybe we'll talk about that later as well, but... You know, you have steam in the room or something like this, then that exacerbates uh, everything else when it comes to your compressed air system. So, you know, keep those things in mind. Yeah, I think I think the other thing you have to keep in mind is, you know, everybody's looking at uh, arc flash, flash protection, and you need to be able to have a lot of clearance around all of the electrical control panels, not just the ones on the compressors and dryers, but if you've got if you've got disconnects on the walls or uh, fuse panels on the walls, you need to be sure the equipment is far enough away from those that you can safely work around the, that kind of equipment. Well, for the record, dad jokes are always welcome here. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you both have seen some installs that were less than ideal. Can you talk about one or two of the worst you've seen? Oh, gee. <laughs> uh, yes, and 40-plus years of doing this, I have seen a lot of bad ones. I mean, the last question we had was about clearance around the compressor. And I remember getting called into a, a particular installation in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where they had installed large rotary screw compressor as they were building this building on campus at a university. And they called me and they said they were having trouble. Uh, the machine didn't, it was overheating, uh, was, you know, they didn't seem to be 
getting the performance out of it. So they took me into where this was. We opened the man door, walked into the room where the compressor was, and you could barely fit between the compressor and the walls. And I'm, I'm looking around. It's an air-cooled compressor. There's no ventilation in the room. Uh, there was not even another door. I, I asked the people, I said, how did you get the compressor in here? And they said, well, we had the, you know, the, the floor and everything done. We installed the compressor, and then we built these cinder block walls all around it and put a, put a door. Neil, in a previous food processing podcast last year, you discussed the idea of housing the compressors in a standalone enclosure outside of the plant. Does that help with some of these concerns? Can you briefly discuss that? Yeah, I think it absolutely does. Um, you know, this, the last uh, point that Wayne made about uh, the telltale heart compressor, as I'll call it, where, uh, you know, oh, well, we just put it in this location and made sense for where we were going to need the air, and then we just walled it off. Um, you know, it, moving the compressor outside of, of even the plant um, allows you to rethink the space requirement. So, you know, if, if we have a location like a conveyor system where maybe it's a, a, a sorting facility, recycler, or even a trash facility, in a lot of cases, uh, those machines get placed uh, in the open space or even under a conveyor uh, where you get debris, all kinds of things that, that may or may not be cleaned uh, in regard to the coolers, so you know, then we have the over temperature issue we talked about kind of in, in the first place. Um, you move it outside of the plant, um, it allows you to recreate the room, um, redesign the ventilation system, and make sure you have full power access. Um, a lot of customers like it because it has really two points of connection, one point of connection for power. Uh, because then that power distribution panel feeds all the compressors, dryers, master controllers, et cetera, um, that, that are inside of an enclosed system. Uh, and then it has one location for piping, so it's necessarily a one-stop shop. That's a great selling feature, but it also allows customers to rethink their facility. Um, compressors, in a lot of cases, cover a valuable space in a facility. And so to rethink that space, to reuse that for production could be a huge boon to a customer um, layout-wise and flow-wise. Uh, that's fantastic. Safety and noise uh, are another thing. You know, rotating equipment um, can be noisy. Um, but servicing is, is also really a key feature. Um, now plant personnel and, and service personnel, you know, there's definitely interaction between the two. If you have a third party uh, working on those things, uh, they won't have to come through the plant. So a lot of food processors have um, uh, uh, proprietary protocol. Um, you know, I recall one of my uh, good friends telling me, yeah, so I went into this facility and I had to be blindfolded so I couldn't see anything that was going on in their process. And then they brought me to the compressor room. Well, you know, if you have it outside the compressor room or outside the plant, um, it makes that access a lot easier for third-party service personnel as well. Uh, and, you know, with integration being a huge topic these days, 
Um, you know, you have this enclosure, you have a master controller, you tie right into that, you get all the data that you want. Um, you know, I, I'd say it's like sitting in the room, but it's even better because you get reports, uh, how, how is the system running, you get alarms and messages. Uh, so that, that's really paramount, I think, uh, for any uh, plant engineers, plant managers, uh, production managers these days. Yeah, to, to Neil's point, we've had several customers that re, that, uh, where we put in these uh, enclosures or uh, buildings outside of their plant that house the compressor room and then just pipe the air in. <clears throat> and they've, they wanted to do that because they wanted to uh, add to their production facility, add more production to their plant without having to build any additional facility. And you can monitor that, uh, just as Neil said. It, you can put a master control that ties into every, one of, every piece of equipment in this enclosure. And you can set at your computer and, and monitor everything that's going on out there. Um, and and uh, to reiterate another point that Neil made, it's really great because the service people, your service providers, uh, their technicians are not coming into the plant and disrupting the plant uh, to do work on, on the equipment. Uh, uh, it's just a benefit all around. Well, Neil and Wayne, you compressed so much valuable information into this special bonus episode of the Food for Thought podcast. Thanks for joining me today. everyone listening to the Food for Thought podcast today, thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Be sure to tune in next time as we talk more about the stories behind the headlines of the food and beverage industry. Take care. Have a great day.